0: I don't believe in shaming people for not coming to church, but let me tell them, anybody who has missed that may be listening online, um, not only did they miss the cupcake episode from, what, a month ago, but they also missed our delightful ways and how to greet people without spreading the coronavirus, and that's going to be worth some weight in gold at some point, I'm afraid. So. But as we start this morning, I wanted to uh, deliver a message I, I call, Faith, Hope, and Love, and, uh, and then repeat And uh, yes, it was inspired in the shower. Sometimes some of my best ideas come in the shower and I won't tell you what, but let's just say I was looking at a bottle of shampoo, right? And I was just thinking about that. I'm like, how do you know when you're clean? You just, right? But faith, hope, and love, and then repeat because it is something we have to do daily. So I'm gonna start with a story about my daughter, Aubrey. When she was young, preschool age, uh, I remember asking her how her day was and her response back um, sticks with me even to this day. And I, I know I've shared this before in the last couple of years, I'm sure. She said her day was hard. And I smiled a little bit because, you know, kids say little cute things and they don't mean that. And so I'm just lovingly saying, um, you know, you mean it was bad? She goes, no, no. Um, it wasn't bad. It, it was hard. It was actually a good day, but it was just hard. And I don't even remember what made it hard. Um, but But... It was just hard, and that, and that wasn't the last time my daughter corrected me. Let's just say that. <laughs> but there was so much wisdom in that young child's words. And since that day, I've, I've had a lot of hard days. We probably all had a lot of hard days, some of which were good, some of which were not so good. And, and I've tried to take her perspective on them, and, and that perspective truly is a godly one. You know, there are, there are difficult times, but not necessarily bad times. So I want to go back to this week's scripture, remember, that, that Becky read earlier from Peter 9.23, and it said, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now these are Jesus' words to his disciples, and they were spoken in scripture immediately after his interaction with Simon, we talked about last week, and, and that was Simon Peter, who, and he, and he said, Who do you say I am? And he said, You know, you're Jesus, you're the Messiah paraphrasing a little bit and he said that's right he said I, that is right And this faith i will call you peter rock and i will build my church which we are all a part of if you recall from last week that is what we are you know we are called to do and that's what this is based on okay so now he he's saying this almost immediately after this it Says, take up your cross daily and follow me and what do you think that means well one commentary on topic written by dr tony evans described it this way In light of the path he must take as the Messiah, he informed them of what it would look like for believers to identify with them on the path of true discipleship. The one who wants to follow God's Messiah must deny himself. That is, place Jesus' glory ahead of his own. He must also take up his cross daily. This is a clear allusion, not allusion, allusion with an A, to crucifixion. People condemned it to it were required to carry their crosses to the place of execution. Likewise, true disciples must daily submit Christ's authority over their lives. So to follow King Jesus is to live according to God's kingdom agenda, which is the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of your life. Now that's a lot of big words, but he's saying to take up your cross daily is to put God first. (coughs) Now, before the cross timbers became the symbol of Christianity that they are today, it was a symbol of a horrible, painful, and humiliating way to be ex- executed. That cross was, it was a horrible way to die. And there's commentaries on the sheer agony and on what it meant, and, and I'll you know, let you read those on your own. Or the movie The Passion of the Christ does a fantastically horrible job of, or horribly fantastic job of, of depicting the suffering that Jesus went through. And how did it go from being the symbol of pain and suffering and humiliation to the symbol of strength today? And it's all about the story of Jesus, right? But understanding this, that there was was both, we can take Jesus' direction to take up our cross daily to mean both enduring these hard days with courage and confidence, and also to take this courage and confidence from the cross itself, meaning the cross of Jesus Christ, which became a symbol of love and redemption, So let's keep that scripture in mind. Let's keep this this scripture that says to take up our cross daily and follow him. Let's keep that in mind as we study God's word about its application to faith, hope, and love in our lives and what it means to do that daily. So probably the most often used verse in weddings can be found in 1 Corinthians 13. This is often referred to as the love scripture. And I'm going to go ahead and read it and it'll all be very familiar with you. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels... But do not have love I am a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love I gain nothing. And it goes on, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And it ends with this statement. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Later in that same letter, the Apostle Paul, uh, we find the statement that simply says, Let all you do be done in love. Paul's advice and direction to the people of Corinth was right in line with Jesus' teaching, weren't they? Listen to some of Jesus' own words on love. He says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's for John 13. And all these, again, are in the back of the, the uh, announcement sheet there, so you can see the verses I'm referring to. Again, Jesus' words, As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And then it gets a little harder. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray to those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And again, in Luke, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you'll be the children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. The love verses. First Corinthians, it's fluffy, it feels good. You, you're up there in the altar with your spouse and you're, yeah, love is all these wonderful things, right? But it, it loses a little bit of its luster when I reminded you that we have to love everyone, right? Absolutely everyone. Not identically, but certainly equally. And the idea of loving and forgiving your enemies sounds completely ridiculous at times, right? right? Isn't it within our human nature to want to defend ourselves or to fight back or to lord control by withholding love or, or, or forgiveness? If we are called to be like Jesus, which we are, we are called to forgive those who hurt us. Loving your enemy is less about reconciling a relationship. It's more about conditioning your heart. 1 Peter 4, 8, right? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Now, he's telling us to love each other deeply because it covers the sin, the sin that maybe someone does against us, but isn't that a godly perspective? Because doesn't God's love overcome a multitude of our sins? And we know that not everybody's lovable, right? I'm not lovable to everybody. Hard to believe. But... Luke 6-32 says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. It's very easy to love someone who loves you back or treats you well. God says to love everybody. Paul writes in Romans, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be to devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This goes back to Jesus' own words. Love others first. And it's important to note that we're instructed to hate what is evil and not who is doing evil things. And we can easily love the wrong kind of things just as we can easily hate the wrong kinds of things, right? It's often misquoted, the love of money is the root of evil, or the money is the root of all. No, it's the love of money. You can love the wrong things, or you can love the right things, but out of order, you know? We use money for our tithes and offerings to support the community, to support the church, to help those in need, to further God's kingdom in this world. And that parts of that do take money. That doesn't mean money is evil. Okay. But loving money more than loving God, not right. And this is so important that when asked which commandment is the most important one, Jesus replied in this way. Jesus said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting Old Testament. That's what he does, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. It's a tall order. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And he says, the second greatest commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, I wonder what the person's intent was that asked that question. You know, if we truly intend to honor all of God's commandments, why does it matter which is the most important? Shouldn't we honor them all, right? We either follow them all completely or we don't, right? This is like setting that goal of of 90%, right, compliance or 90% good. Which which commandment do you think God doesn't want you to do so you can get your 90%? It doesn't work that way. So why would Jesus state that one, uh, that one is the most important instead of taking the opportunity to teach the value of all commandments? And I believe that is because, the answer is because of the power of love. Colossians three fourteen states, and above all these put on love, which binds together everything in perfect harmony. So I understand that comment. I want to read that in context. This is from Colossians 3. I'm going to go back to verse 12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, and dearly loved, which we are. He says, "'Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in unity.'" So what does it bind? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiveness. Love is that blanket that covers all that, and pulls it together. So maybe that's why I'm saying, if you're going to push me into giving you which one is the greatest, I'm going to tell you it's this one, because it covers so many of those other things. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now that's the power of love, that it casts out fear. God shows his love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the power of loving everyone, even those who wrong us, that we don't wait for it to be made right before we love them. We love them first, just as God loved us first. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That's the power of true, deep, unconditional love. So back to that scripture from 1 Corinthians, akin to love is faith and hope. And I wanted to start with love because we have one of our hard days or hard periods, we can cling to our faith, right? We so desperately hold on to our faith and and we search for hope, right? And in doing so, perhaps we forget the power of love, specifically God's love for us as children, but in Psalm 147, the psalmist writes, the Lord delights in those who fear. Now this is respect and honor. The, the Lord delights in those who respect and honor him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. That's the seed of our hope. Isaiah 40:31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Beautiful words, beautiful words. And they give hope, Right? This morning when we were praying for people, we were praying for strength, emotional strength, spiritual strength, physical strength too. How about this? And we hear this one often. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and future. Believing in this promise is faith and it gives you a hope. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is hope in the hard times. And we so often hear all things are good. That's not what God says. In fact, he promises they're not all good. He just says, I can use them for good. I can even take the stuff that I wasn't a part of that someone excluded me from and I can work that for good. I've got those stories in my lives. Chances are you do too, right? First Peter 1 refers to Jesus as being the living hope. And that's what he is. Now faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Those aren't my words. That's from Hebrews. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And 2 Corinthians says, For we live by faith, not by sight. And along with that, John 20. When Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But he says, Blessed are those who have not seen me and you still yet believe. So is it possible that the current hard time or or what may feel worse, the apparent silence in your life, or God, where are you working in the situation right now? Is it possible that this current hard time is gonna grow your faith? So not only is it possible, the answer is yes. It's a resounding yes. I don't wanna let let it out, but someone from our congregation they aren't here today, breaks my heart, they're talking to me, they said, God seems silent lately to me. I pray, I pray regularly, I pray for what I think are the right things, and he's not there, and I said, oh man, this is exciting. I said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is exciting, because God's moving some pieces around. He's getting ready to do a good, deep work in your life. I said, promise me two things. One, you won't give up, and two, you let me know when you figure out what it is. You know, this is the silence before, it's not a storm, it's the silence before the blessing. Man, I I hope he listens. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5, 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. It doesn't always make sense. We don't always have the big picture. We get an inkling of this as a parent because we look at our children and say, you don't understand how all this is going to work out. You just want whatever it is or you don't want to do whatever it is that you want to do. But we as parents know that we have some wisdom. God is that much more greater apparent than us. And he says, hang in there, trust in me. Lean on me. Don't rely on what you understand about the situation. I'll figure it out for you. I've got this. Again, from Romans, for in this hope we were saved. But what hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, but we hope for what we do not have, yet have and we wait for it patiently. And that's really the struggle and patience thing. I'll just wrap up with just a couple more here. Proverbs 3 again advises that we let love and faithfulness never leave us. Okay? These are words of wisdom. Bind them around your neck, it says, write them on the tablet of your heart. It says, put that deep-seated message in you, love and faithfulness, love and faithfulness. And the Apostle Paul refers back to this in the this, in this scripture from Galatians about the full armor of God. He says, "In addition to all this stuff, in addition to all these weapons, he says, "Take up your shield of faith with which you can distinguish extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one." So why is faith and hope and love described as defensive tools? Because Jesus tells us that we will have troubles in this world. We will have hard days, hard weeks, hard times, hard months, maybe even hard years. It's a guarantee. However, he also promises that we have victory through our faith because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. If you're facing a hard or uncertain time, you can be encouraged to press on knowing that you are an overcomer. It's a couple verses that just really you draw from. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. Philippians 4.13, you could probably recite this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Perhaps you're familiar with these words in the Bible. Even if you don't know where to find them, if you didn't know what chapter and verse you said, yeah, I know that one. Maybe you count them among some of the verses you draw strength from, and that's good for you. That's fantastic. This is completely appropriate use of God's word. It says arm yourself with this thing. I put together a few slides that bring me peace as I, as I face my hard days. And as I was going through some of the scripture preparing for this message, I'm like, that's a good one. That's more of a bumper sticker motto proclamation, you know. Um, so I put them up. Heather, would you just kind of go through one? I read to you guys all the time. I just read to you probably 20 verses, and I think that's fantastic. Everybody needs to hear verses, but I think sometimes people need to hear themselves say them. So would you read this with me? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, replaces fear. Let's go to the next one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Feels good. One more. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Isn't that, isn't there hope in that one? To say, Lord, you got me this far, or you even brought me through some struggles, maybe even led me to some struggles, so I grow my faith, but you're not done. And we aren't either, let's go on. <laughs> for our, our light and, and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal, eternal glory, that glory that far outweighs them all. So, so we fix our, our eyes, Not on what's seen, but what is unseen. and that's faith. Faith in what's unseen. Again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Next. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. I love that. Now it sounds, this is Paul kind of winding down, but uh, you know, I would, my hope is I get to say this with confidence someday. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And sometimes the race isn't the race of life. Sometimes it's the race through this event through this period of our life. What's next? He says, be still and know that I am God. I've got this, such simple words. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Encouraging words, is that it? All right, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, there's spiritual strength and perseverance, I mean, physical strength and perseverance, and then there's spiritual strength and emotional strength. And, and you know, when, when you're just getting dinged over and over again, you can become so discouraged. And what a powerful tool discouragement is by the devil to, to knock you off your game because I've been tired for so long. I felt so not right for so long. I've been sick for so long. I've been discouraged for so long. What else we have? That was it. I hope there's some in there. I mean, they were, they were fantastic and the book is full of these things. Look at this book is full of these. I love it. Maybe one of those sound, resounded with you. And, and, and you know, as we read them as a congregation, if it spoke to you, I hope maybe you Said it a little bit louder or or wrote it on the tablet of your heart as as the, the, uh, you know, scripture said. But friends, this morning, as I was preparing the message for this morning, I realized that the opposite of hope is fear, right? The opposite of faith is anxiety and the opposite of love is sin. Or perhaps think of it this way. Hope drives out fear. Where there's hope, there can't be fear because there's nothing to be afraid of. Faith destroys anxiety because where you hold on to your faith, there's nothing to be anxious about because God has got this. Be still and know that I am God and love, it erases sin. So to this end, Peter advised, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and a self-control perseverance and a perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection, what? Love. The church was established by Jesus Christ himself to support and encourage you in your faith journey towards salvation and glory. If there is anything that I, or Golden Beach Community Church, as a part of the larger church that Jesus established, can do for you, I urge you not to remain silent. It is a blessing to be a part of that blessing that is you. So let me just end with, with that um, Benediction from the book of Romans we read a moment ago. He said, "May the God of hope, the God of hope, may it, He fill you with all joy and peace, as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." I can't think of a better wish for someone going into this week. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, your your word gives us so much information on hope and faith and love. So let us not stop with a 20, 25-minute talk on it. Let us not stop by, by hearing your words. Let us not stop by repeating them out loud ourselves, but let's apply them in our lives. Let's write them on our head. Let's put them in the tablet of our heart. Lord, let's put them so deeply in there that they become habitual and instinctual so that when we face this hard time, if we're not there right now, if one's coming up, Lord, that we are prepared in our soul to know that faith, hope, and love can just conquer everything. Lord, and and it's not a once and done. We have to apply faith to our lives and have hope in you and love everyone. And tomorrow we're going to have to take up this cross again and the day after and the day after. Lord, may all we do please you. Lord, as we strive for the perfection as demonstrated by your son in his holy life, help us to be forgiving of ourselves and loving of ourselves when we fall short and to pick up that cross again tomorrow. Lord, as always, I want to thank you for the church, the church in general that you establish through your son Jesus Christ on the faith and premise that Jesus is the way to salvation. And I thank you in particular for this community of believers here that seek you so diligently. Lord, to all those gathered here this morning, those who are traveling ill, couldn't otherwise make it, to all those who listen online later, Lord, I ask a blessing over every one of us. Thank you for your words of encouragement. And let us never let them leave our hearts. Amen.